0: Etheric Weather Service, advisory issued at 6.05 p.m. EST in the twilight of fourth world. Welcome to WMON. I'm your host, Luna Primark. The Purple Flood advisory remains in effect. Here's your her biological affirmation for the hour from the Appalachian English Resource Center at the University of South Carolina. Laura, now The mountain term for evergreen rhododendron, rhododendron maximum, and rhododendron catawoblise, which in the Smokies grows profusely at elevations below 5,000 feet, and covers extensive tracts and thicket. The purple flood advisory continues for the Okagane River at Dead Man's Hollow, the South Fork River at Kepler, and the shores of Somerville Lake. Purple stage was 220 ppm at last report. Action stage is 100 pppm. The hoofed one calls at 200 ppm. Forecast. The hoofed one is expected to call for many more moons, cresting at 400 ppm and full bloom. Impact. The harvest has begun. The hollows, especially, are experiencing rapid etheric exposure. Impact Timberwolf assets deployed for direct monitor and control. Etheric Weather Service, advisory issued at 6.06 p.m. at the twilight of the fourth world. Welcome to WMON. I am your host, Luna Primark. The Purple Flood advisory remains in effect. Here is your biological affirmation for the hour, from Mountain Memories, 1977. Far back in the big mountains were the infamous laurel hells, where our tall laurel grew so thick with twisted branches that a man venturing in there might never find his way out. The purple flood advisory continues for the Ophagene River at Dead Man's Hollow, the South Fork River at Kepler. And the shores of Somerville Lake. Purple stage was 220 PPPM in the last report. Action stage is 100 PPPM. Are you introing us, Saviour? Is that what's happening?
1: <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll do it. it. Oh, go ahead. <sighs> Welcome to Dead Man's Hollow. A subsidiary of the Are We Doing This Podcast Network.
0: I think I called it a sidecast.
1: I'm calling it a subsidiary. Whoa, okay.
0: We're a well, podcast
1: network now.
0: I, You know, so that does kind of, like, provide a hierarchical relationship between <laughs> the podcasts. And I think that at this point, there's kind yeah. of, like, there's there's an equal number of hosts and uh, hosts of Are We Doing This and non-hosts of Are We Doing This who are kind of entangled in the hollow.
1: It's not a subsidiary anymore.
0: Right, it's kind of like outgrown a What about a member, a member
1: of the Are We Doing This podcast network?
0: I think a side
1: pod. I like member better.
0: You know, I mean, it's kind of like you're dating Are We Doing This and you're kind of like hooking up with... Dead Man's Hollow on Dead the side. Man's Hollow
1: over on the side. Side pod. What about a side
0: pod <laughs> Oh, no, that's, you're, that's, you're crossing the streams.
1: Mm. That sounds um,
0: like a, It sounds like you ejected mm. a project.
2: They share podcast synergy.
1: Alright, do you want me to get a clean take of the intro? No, this,
0: this was fine.
2: I'm doing it again, Connor, I'm I'm redoing the intro. Go
0: ahead.
1: Welcome to Dead Man's Hollow. A side pod of the "Are We Doing This" podcast. Podcast?
0: No, I didn't realize that you were doing the um <laughs> that you were taking our notes into account and doing the kind of like modified version, Xavier. That's so did, sweet of did, you.
2: Did you say podcast? Yeah. Uh
0: right. So this is Clashes to Ashes three, starring listener and friend of the show Nash, and host of "Are We Doing This," Xavier. Xavier. <laughs> These. <laughs> Two good, good boys have, have entered into the... Uh, well, seem seemed to have, in various ways, been born into the uh, the industrial ruin valley of Dead Man's Hollow. Xavier, at first, was a clavier. Um, Nashty has been a clashty for quite a while uh, and gone through some pretty severe damage. His legs were shattered and then he rebuilt them overnight. Um, and after the death of the Clavier, a Clagent J was was dispatched, also played by Xavier, uh, to the Hollow in order to kind of investigate the the social disharmony that was apparently occurring uh, in the amount of uh, clay on clay violence that was happening. Do I have to the
1: best J impression now?
0: There in the Hollow. No, you've you've basically played Clagent J. As just an empowered version of you for a while, so I think you're good. I want to do a good J. Yeah, I don't know if you've been doing that in the past. I don't know if you need to keep it up, because I don't remember if there's anything I think I've up. been doing a J before. Nasty,
2: I think you... Uh... It's entirely possible that the empowered Xavier and your J impression are the same thing. In fact.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> Yeah, this might be one of the deep truths of the narrative that we haven't quite gotten to yet. Um, right, it's always so to us up to, to me. very current speed, you spent the night investigating uh, more about the death of the clavier, and in doing so... Uh, were sort of jumped into the the cult of the hoofed one and felt compelled to run into the forest and and meet this great uh purple deer god which uh J jay you did
1: i did meet the deer god i couldn't you remember. did
0: you did it it spoke to you um you you met the hoofed one it looked down at you and it said something like i
1: Quotes from the hoofed one. A new book available on the third. Such uh, contains great lines such as the hoofed one calls, and I am here to feast. I'm not here to speak with you.
0: <laughs> Thank you for that infomercial. I will be sure to kind of wrap that into an appropriate uh, aftermarket uh, present to the audience.
1: Now you have to write a book, Connor. How does it feel? No, no, no,
0: no. I'm just going to create an audio infomercial for such a book. And then, you know, like the best (laughs) excerpts of it will be what I speak as the announcer or have you speak as the announcer with some zany background music. We'll we'll do this afterwards.
2: Yeah. Side effects may include.
0: Ooh, right, right. Oh, it could be a medical health book. You could make you could make medicinal claims, Xavier. Ooh, yeah.
1: Side effects may include having the want to listen to the Are We Doing This podcast? Yeah,
0: body by hoofed one. <laughs> feel, the <laughs> feel, feel the call. Feel the call to the gym. <laughs> but by hoof. I like that. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. You are,
1: Connor. You're too good for us,
0: <laughs> Clancy. As as you saw the sort of the enormous three or four hundred foot tall deer off at the far end of of the clay valley uh, beyond the factory and and the boiler room uh, towering over the huge sycamore trees that tower over the site you are standing right next to the jay tree right this is this is a huge uh, black oak uh, also known as a swamp oak uh, which grew at the site of a, a perished jay uh, or clay jay perished back in episode 1 uh, and now is is a, a huge clay tree an oak imitation vast in its branches you know, oaks are sort of squarish in, in large form, they tend to be about as wide as they are tall, and they tend to have uh, a root system that goes out just as far as the width of their limb. The The J-tree has got, you know, maybe an 80-foot span from the central trunk out to the furthest, smallest branches at the furthest extent of the bloom of the tree. It's 160 feet in total, like, width, and a similar 160 feet tall. This mega deer, this hoofed one, as it stomps in just a few steps over a uh, clayton jay, and you know, covering a hundred feet in every step, it arrives right next to the jay tree, and it has to bend its neck down, and its huge horns closer to the ground, the vast, Ropes of metal that kind of go from each horn tip up into the fog above, uh, the same way that the shipping container cabling does, uh, all shift around as the hoofed one leans down and the different claviers and uh, other kind of infected claymen who are climbing the tree uh, ready for the horn to climb up so to be.
1: The, moved one. Do you hear the hoofed one. one? Clashty
2: will, upon seeing the hoofed one approach, kind of move away from the J tree towards uh, one of the uh, workshops that is nearby. The
0: closest part of the industrial site is the western entrance of the boiler room.
2: Yeah, Clashty's going to head uh, towards the boiler room. Like, how much distance um, from the J-tree is that?
0: Uh, it'll probably take you about 30 seconds to kind of scramble over there, uh, kind of looking over your shoulder okay. and, and also looking ahead of you to avoid running into any trees. And also, your legs are kind of a couple hours old at this point, so...
2: They're new.
1: They're fresh. Yeah. You got some fresh legs.
0: Yeah. If, uh, Clayton J, you uh, kind of see the... Clashty He is is headed away from the tree and, and towards the, the boiler room there, and, and you want to follow him and kind of intersect. You, you'll probably arrive at about the same time, right? So so you you would intersect kind of right at cover if you both were dashing towards it.
1: I will do that, but I've noticed something on the ground first. I see a piece of receipt paper on the ground.
0: Well, you pick up the receipt paper and examine it. At the top of the receipt paper, it says Southside Borger Con. And it lists off a series of of different menu items, which it it'll probably take a little bit of time for you to parse out because they're not uh, they're really compacted and most of the vowels are gone because it's like an old old receipt system. You put it in your pocket.
1: I think it's a clue for later.
0: Based on the kind of uh, <laughs> transparent and ghost-like. Gel that is on some of the receipt paper. It looks like perhaps uh, the hoofed one had stomped through the south side on its way here, and maybe uh, this is some detritus that uh, it left in a hoofprint.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Got to go investigate that, Burger Kong.
0: Yeah, excellent clues. Um, so you guys both take off towards the boiler room.
2: Mm-hmm. What is the hoofed one doing now that it has gotten to the J tree?
0: As you were fleeing the jay tree, you had been speaking with a clavier, I think, at the end of the last episode, and he had really been encouraging you mm-hmm. to go up the tree. And, and he says again, like, please join us for the harvest. So all you have to do is climb and, and just let the blossoming begin. Come with us, please. You've already got, we, we put a little in your legs. Come are ready for the harvest. We put a little We're in your legs.
1: We're
2: har- ready for the harvest. At that point, after the uh, revelation that they had done something to my uh, new legs, at that point I'm going to uh, head towards the boiler room and not answer the clavier. As
0: you head for the boiler room, you see that probably about 30% of the the population of the valley, which is in the hundreds of, of claymen and the various kinds of clay creatures, the the clashdies, the cloners, the claviers, the clay jays, the klyzics. Is that everyone? So far, yeah. Right. So ab- about 30% of them, uh, many of them claviers, but, but uh, a smattering of some of the other claymen... Are all heading towards the jay tree, and as they climb the jay tree, they begin to grow and expand, which is tough for a clay uh, man to do. I mean, you, you guys are kind of really cast in a particular shape. You you basically have to reforge your body every couple days to be uh, like a little bit bigger here, a little bit bigger there. Uh, There's a real ship of Theseus to you guys in some ways. And that's alright, that's part of the process, you know, that's what it is to be a a clay man uh, here in the hollow. These clay men are shattering, but they're shattering because what's inside of them is expanding rapidly, putting huge pressures on, on the interior surface of uh their clay bodies and you watch as your many different kinds of brothers climb this tree and crack open a horrendous amount of glowing moving writhing singing purple ooze begins to spread from within them that's the pressure that's the they've been vessels for this that's been expanding inside them and now it's explosively growing outwards. And though this is an oak tree, what it more resembles now that your brothers are are blossoming is is something like a, a rhododendron or what they call here in the all-games mountain laurel. Each one of these purple blobs rises and spins and breaks apart into Leaf stems which form leaves, a whirl of leaves, and a beautiful, delicate, pink purple flower emerges from the top of each one of them, about the size of a baby carriage, these flowers are. And the hoofed one leans his vast head, huge horns down, and begins to feast upon laurel flowers.
2: Well, that's an upsetting sight. As he eats your
0: brothers the purple material of, of the flowers that the leaves the flowers themselves strange growing lichen that was uh, inside of your various lay brothers uh, seems to directly go into the hoofed one you can start to see through his transparent form that there are internal glowing systems that this material is is empowering and giving new energy to and you can also see that there are pulses of purple light that are moving through his horns and up into the sky and as he chews through these flowers shards the sort of willing pieces that have broken cleanly along muscle lines of your brothers disentangle themselves from this purple jelly And fall through the form of the hoofed one because he's here but he's not truly here and as he feeds all around the base of the jay tree, start to form thick piles, inches thick of shards of hundreds of your brothers
2: I'm imagining that the scene kind of looks like turn of the 19th century on the prairie of just the piles of bison bones after the overhunting thereof oh
0: certainly if the roots of the jay tree are being fed anything right now yeah it is an enormous quantity of crushed clay men the other clay men speaking of which the rest of the population they well you know clay men they're leaderless right now the jays are kind of the clayjays are freaking out and kind of yelling, many different sets of directions at many different sets of uh, the other uh, claymen. Uh, the klyxics are trying to round everybody up and and using their their um, strong fatherly hands to kind of physically direct other other claymen towards uh, both towards the boiler room, towards the factory, uh, away from the hoofed one, Certainly now that it's kind of eating everybody. What do you guys do?
2: So, Plasty, Uh is at the boiler, and and
0: the 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 harvest is what you are witnessing. The harvest, the blossoming is occurring. The hoofed one is feasting. It has
2: begun. It has begun. Whoa. Agent Jay, we need to do something about this. But, but, do we? I, I think so. I don't know. I don't particularly like. Is it eating the claviers? It's eating all of them. All of the ones that have been e- eating the purple lichen.
1: But, but, what if this is what they want? We can't disrupt the natural environment.
2: Does that look natural to you? Well,
1: they did say that they were ready for the harvest.
2: Uh, uh, uh Cl- Clash is going to just kind of look. Uh, dumbstruck at the Claygent and uh, turn and look in the boiler room for uh, some of the implements whatever uh, tools are about that are used in the maintenance of said boiler
1: uh, Clagent J pulls out both of his twin glocks and points them at the hoofed one
0: alright Clagent J has twin glocks
2: Twin clocks. (laughs) C-L-O-C-K. Yes. No,
0: no, no, they're twin clocks. No, they're twin clocks, but they take (laughs) twin clocks, which is to say, what they fire, Agent Clavier, is time bullets.
1: (laughs) Small time pieces.
0: You use small little uh, grandfather clock-looking clips to reload the time bullets, and each one has, like, a pendulum marked into Mm -hmm. it. And uh, either ages or de-ages or or sort of sideways times, uh, whatever it hits, you know, in a pretty disruptive and violent way. Glocks take clocks.
1: Okay. I fire at the, um, at the hoofed one.
0: We'll resolve that kind of after- uh... Carry on. Okay. Sure. Nashi. you look around the boiler room. This is a pretty big space. You're very familiar with it. You come in here all the time. Uh, It has two, one is the primary one and one is the kind of backup one, huge coal boilers which are producing steam pressure. And that steam pressure is being routed uh, both to kind of steam engines within the room that are turning it into mechanical motion, which is going through belts to different parts of the factory inside Mm -hmm. the factory or uh that steam pressure is being piped elsewhere in the course of your time as a clayman, you guys have rebuilt the inside of the factory a few different times there have been projects that involved rebuilding the boiler room the shovels the picks the big wrenches uh the kind of hot coals that are in there right now these are all available to you big buckets full of anthracite coal blue-black in its color because of how dense the carbon is that stuff burns really hot Uh, it's a wonderful find you have to actually usually import it there's not too much anthracite in the hollow that's kind of an eastern PA thing
2: seeing that I'm going to grab one of the picks okay so you guys
0: at this point are kind of at the door looking out at the hoofed one Mm mm-hmm there are uninfected claymen kind of fleeing past you guys, both into the boiler building and beyond it into the factory. They're also just kind of scattering into the hills away from the hoofed one. This is, this is a, a kind of apocalypse that this particular hollow has never never seen before, so it, it is just like everyone's terrified. Uh, Xavier, you fire your glocks at the hoofed one, and Clashty, you
2: have your pick ready.
1: Let's take this thing down, Clashty.
0: Oh,
2: so you're on my side now.
1: I was always on your side. I just wanted to watch a little bit of what was going to happen
2: first. I said it was natural, but I didn't say I wanted it to happen. Well.
1: I'm my own boss.
2: I'll tell that, I'll make sure that if we survive, I'll put that in the report to your boss. (laughs) What, you gonna... I don't have a boss. I'm the boss. I ignore you and uh, turn back towards the J tree.
0: Xavier, the time bullets fly straight and true. Where are you aiming for, for the hoofed one? Uh, there's big, broad. I'm aiming for the head. You're <laughs> aiming for the head. You always aim for the head. Sure.
1: I go for the head.
0: Well, so you are able to shoot at it and you can see through its flesh in a way that's pretty upsetting right there's there's an aspect to how the hoofed one looks that that is reminiscent of the aurora borealis or other kind of particle intersection phenomena right like he is here but he is kind of shimmering in how here he really is do you understand
1: hmm Do you need me to roll a damage roll?
0: Yeah, go ahead and roll uh, a damage roll, and then what I am going to do is I am going to roll the bones.
1: I rolled a 16 for my damage.
0: Perfect. You rolled a 16 for your... Well, yeah, That <laughs> I guess we'll call that your damage roll, sure. Yeah, Uh, uh Glo- Glocks do 1d20 damage. They're either wildly on target or wildly off. Wow, 16 damage is great. Uh, what I'm gonna roll. Do I have on... any
1: modifiers? What, what was that? Do I have any modifiers?
0: Oh, you're you're a secret clagen. You have a, a plus six bonus to to that kind of gunfire, of course. Uh, so, um, and in <laughs> terms of doing extra damage, total. I think you would have kind of one damage per bullet at a minimum. So, uh, I guess we'll call that eighteen damage. And we're kind of skipping your to hit roll because uh, it, it's a giant deer it's bigger than buildings you know like it's not it is very you can't not hit you can't not hit it um it's just a question of kind of how much existential damage you're doing to it so your bullets fly up towards the deer's head and they do intersect the deer but not as its skin they kind of pass through the first many layers of, of skin and flesh without uh, quite intersecting with their material form. They're just not resonating quite right. You hear both of those bullets lodge in the, the hoofed one's jawbone, uh, which does not seem to kind of impact his overall health in any discernible way, but has certainly gained his attention. His huge head stops chewing the cloner that it been chewing apart, lets the top half of the cloner's form fall a hundred feet down to the valley floor and shatter into bits, turns, and regards you. And when the hoofed one regards you, you have to note just the huge, huge scale of its horns, because they are now presenting most directly in your your direction, they are maybe the biggest things you've ever seen. They're bigger than the factory building. They're 150 feet up in the air, and they are absolutely vast sails of purple bone.
1: Do I have any other weapons, or no? No, no. Just the guns. I don't have like grenades or anything.
0: You seem to like really feel like agents have grenades on them.
2: Maybe after this they will.
1: Maybe this agent carries a grenade.
0: You have been spending time in the rich man's cinema. You have been starting to learn some moves. Who carries a grenade? Xavier, pop culture quiz, name an action hero who carries a grenade.
1: I never. Is this where the, the sad truth of I've never listened listen to rich man cinema comes saying No, out?
0: no, no, you don't have to listen to rich cinema. You just have to think of an action <laughs> movie where, like, a, a secret agent or military person had a grenade on them. I feel like James Bond would have grenades at his disposal. Was there a movie where he did? Brainstorm here with me, brothers. Yes, yes, it was called
1: No Time to Fly. What?
0: Yeah, we're cutting all of this out. Um, if 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 you want to okay, if you want to have a grenade, this, like you can have a have a grenade, but like it's it's because it's because clagens get to watch movies.
1: Yeah, I, I get to watch movies, and movie action heroes have grenades. Therefore, I have a grenade. Wait,
0: but which you got to pick one? You got to actually know it. That's like the pop culture. This is like the bit. Any U.S. military movie. No, but you Any gotta US be specific, buddy.
2: One second. Oh my God. This is th- this is this is the way that you roll for a grenade.
0: This is the way that you roll for a grenade. This is the homework that you gotta do. I'm gonna pare this down so that it's not awkward or weird because <laughs> right now it's sort of awkward or weird I don't know that I'm nasty it might sound like I'm <laughs> bullying Xavier but like literally this is like what we <laughs> talked through <This> like... <laughs> privately uh. like an hour and a half ago so I'm like confused as to why Xavier you're like trying to be funny and not trying to like play in the space
1: I think I should have a good Ooh, I, have... I got one
0: you googling.
1: I'm not googling. You can't, can't prove that.
2: Totally googling. Oh my god. Okay.
1: All right. Fine. I'm googling. I,
2: I will say Xavier. Now I have machine machine gun. Ho 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 is right there. If we're going with the action movie thing.
1: I don't know what that's from.
2: Oh my god. Xavier.
0: Uh Underworld 4. Underworld Awakening? Was that Underworld 4? I think it was. I feel
1: like there were grenades in The Rock. Which I never watched. Oh my god.
0: This is, this is how we find out, Xavier, that you're like a terrible brother. Oh, you know, we already knew. Oh my god. Um, right. There are grenades in The Rock. That's a good one. Um, is there a grenade in Aliens? never seen that either. Does Ripley have a grenade (laughs) belt? No! Rodriguez in Aliens has a grenade belt. Xavier, that's what you're going with. Got
1: it. Uh, I go with Rodriguez from Aliens.
0: Has a belt full of grenades. So, let's cut all this out and I'll go back to saying (laughs) Clayton Jay are... Clayton's normally equipped with grenades?
1: Yeah, we got a grenade belt.
0: What? Are there, is there like a, have you seen this in the rich man cinema that there are grenade belts?
1: Yeah. In Aliens Rodriguez has a grenade belt and I thought that was cool. So I bought a grenade belt.
0: Okay. Um, roll a d20 and add five. Fuck.
1: Eleven. Nope. Yep. Nine.
0: How was that 11 and then 9? Because
2: Xavier can't do I, math. I can't do math. Oh,
0: this is after you've added the 5. <laughs> oh, you rolled a 4. Yes. Oh my god, okay.
1: Well. rolled a 4 and then...
0: Okay, Xavier, you have exactly Sorry, one myself. grenade in your grenade belt. You have a grenade belt. It is okay. on your person. And on, in it, you have exactly one, which you bought to make sure that it would actually... That the grenade belt was not bullshit, and that a grenade would fit inside it. You bought kind of like a testing <laughs> grenade. That is the the sort of unused, <laughs> slightly dusty grenade that is in your grenade belt. It is the one grenade you have. You've been holding this on the to it. The one grenade for I can afford. Like two or three years now. Yeah. Just just sitting in a in a shipping container, uh, you know, like up. You, up you, up in the sky somewhere wherever the shipping containers come from just holding one you, grenade
2: <laughs> and, you're, it, it, and you're using it waiting. to prop a door open
0: waiting to be deployed <laughs> <laughs> alright yes, Clayton uh, Jay you do have another weapon you have your one grenade
1: I I get ready to throw my one grenade into the hoofed
2: one's mouth.
0: Whoa, that's a serious throw. The hoofed one's mouth is like a hundred and fifty feet above you. I I
2: turn I turn to. I, I see I see him hold the uh, grenade the and one grenade, I say the one grenade the one grenade, <laughs> give it to me. I say, I say to the clagent, give me the grenade. Are you a better grenade thrower than I am? No, but I can climb that tree.
1: Alright. Grenade's yours. Pin still in it.
2: Okay. So, at this point, I'm going to drop the pick, and I'm going to, uh, take the grenade, and I'm going to, uh, head towards the J tree.
0: Pleasant J, I assume you're, you're maybe picking up the, the, the Clash D pick, and... Hmm like staying back here like sort of pausing or following or what your buddy's about to go climb a tree and then throw a grenade at a giant deer are you kind of like gonna watch from a distance or this distance or what
1: I'm right behind him all the way up
3: okay
0: alright here we go I'm gonna need you guys to make a series of rolls Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. We're going to go with some climbing rolls. Uh, mm mm-hmm. These are going to be dexterity checks or strength checks. Check. Take your pick. Um, I think in your guys' cases, Nasty, yours is a strength check. Um, yep. And Xavier, you're swift and dangerous little Xavier, so yours is a dexterity check. <laughs> um what are we, your we any keep, bonuses, Keep You've got a that title plus three thing. in strength, Nashdy, and Xavier, you have yeah. a, a, a plus four in dex. You'd be a good rogue if you ever took levels in rogue. Uh, roll, uh, give me five rolls. I guess give me five rolls in audio, and also give me... Ooh. All right, so
2: I got a 18, a 13, a 14, a 20, and a 14.
0: And that's a dirty 20. This is a 16. Plus, no, or no, that's these a, are oh, these, these are my are these are my raw numbers. Oh, okay. So can oh, we just shit. go back in and adjust them?
1: So I have to add math to all these?
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're adding plus four to each one of your outcomes. Did you roll any 20s or ones, Xavier? I
1: rolled a 20. I'm doing the math right now
0: okay the 20 you should just write down as a 20 with a star so i got my values yeah okay well so nashie i can tell you that your ability to climb the tree is completely unhindered you just like muscle your way up there uh if you were that uh french uh immigrant dude from the viral video that like climbed up all those balconies super fast that's how you Mm roll that was pretty crazy Whoa, uh, Clayton J, you also rolled incredibly well. You're climbing right, right kind of across from each other, not using the same limbs necessarily because that's dangerous, but just uh, keeping at the same level going all the way up the the trunk of this tree, uh, all the way kind of out one of the bigger branches up to where uh, the hoofed one is is grazing, and he is chomping huge chomps uh, of your brothers and the flowers that they've become uh, and kind of as he phases in and out of reality breaking the upper branches of the tree so there's a fair amount of kind of debris that's falling uh, but you guys have rolled incredibly well so uh, you, you skip the debris uh, you find yourselves it doesn't affect us You find yourselves kind of as close to the hoofed one as you're gonna get. You're maybe 30 feet away from the front plane of his face, which, I mean, describing how close you guys are to the hoofed one is is like describing how close you guys are to an entire 12 story building, no, 20 story building when he stands up straight. You know, like it's not the the distances are far vaster than that behind, like the tip of his nose that you are thirty feet from. Do you understand?
3: Hmm.
2: So, at this point, I can kind of see the progression that the hoofed one is making. Yeah, of uh... the chomping, like of the of the laurel uh, blossoms. You yeah. all have
0: about one shot to get this right, like. Right. You could throw this thing one right now, and it'll do what a grenade is gonna do to a hoofed one, and mm-hmm. um, I'm I might climb does... on its back if I have to. After that, stuff's gonna get weird, for sure. Right. I mean, like after so that, we'll what... be able to kind of like smash through enough of the tree to get right to you
2: guys and try to yeah. eat you. Right, so what I want to do is, seeing the progression, I, wa- I want to know, I kind of want to get to where the hoofed one is eating, because I want to climb into one of the laurel blossoms that's about to be eaten.
0: Oh my god, you're going to take the grenade right to him.
2: Yeah, oh,
0: I'm going the Straight to the top. That's going to be the end of you. Not if I have anything to say
2: about that. Well, good luck. You already gave me the grenade, so I'm tying a rope to you.
1: What? I, I have I, a I, rope. Wait, you're I'm attacking tying it to you, and
2: brother. I'm gonna pull you out. I'm Not gonna again. pull you out if, before <laughs> you blow up. It's
0: nasty, are you resisting this attempt, or are you letting uh, your brother? Yeah,
2: I'm just, I'm, I'm just gonna. You're, ha- you're taking off. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm. I... Yeah. On, uh, uh, save your roll. Um,
0: roll oh, oh, um, an attack roll against your brother.
1: It isn't meant to be like an attack. It's meant to be like an "I want to save you if shit goes south."
0: Oh, I understand, but doing that to a person who's not willing to receive it—right? A person who's intent on what they're doing right now—like is it's an attack? You're violating their person in a way for which you should roll.
1: Okay, I will roll. Seventeen. Seventeen. All right. Hmm.
0: That's without any bonuses.
1: Without any bonuses.
0: Nashdie, your brother is trying to tie a rope around you, and like he's been able to kind of like lasso your person with with, uh, uh, I guess, the grenade belt. <laughs> no,
1: I was carrying a rope. <laughs> Were you? I pulled
0: yeah. I pulled the rope. Is there an action movie you've seen where the superhero had a where the action hero had a rope? (laughs) Well,
1: let's go with more of a lasso in this scenario, but Wonder Woman carries a lasso.
0: And so because one Okay, go ahead and roll to see if you even have rope, man. Let's we're keeping that seventeen as your attack roll, but go ahead and roll to see if you an agent would have Decided to carry a lasso Fourteen That is not quite good enough That is Do I have any um,
1: modifiers?
0: Uh, no, no Um, this is You're like really You're you're asking for a lot of different extra goodies Here, man (laughs) You know, like your first agent role Is pretty cool But this is like You're really pushing the genre limits here I guess I'll have to use the grenade belt then Okay, so you try to you try to rope your brother with a grenade belt. I'm gonna give him kind of one big action step here to like do what mm-hmm. he wants to do to try to avoid that or do a different action that accomplishes similar things. Or yeah, nasty it, it's the ball is in your court, sir. There's there's a I'm, there's a Clayton gonna... J trying to entangle you up in a tree. So
2: up in a tree. Uh, I I imagine that he's gonna get the. Uh belt around me but i'm just going to uh grab it and pull it out of his hands sure you are
0: much stronger than than the swift and dangerous little xavier's right nasty go ahead and make a strength check and xavier go ahead and roll a dexterity check uh xavier you get a, a plus four bonus to that uh and nasty you get a plus three bonus to yours uh but uh I'm also gonna say that you get an additional uh kind of plus two bonus because um, because you are like this is a test of strength more than it is dexterity, right? right. Like Xavier's at a disadvantage right. here. Or Clayton J is at a disadvantage.
1: I got twenty three after modifiers.
0: What? You rolled a nineteen? Yep. You've been rolling amazingly well.
1: Do you want a do you want a picture?
0: No <laughs>
2: um, I just got a 10 so I, he uh, manages to uh, fake me out uh, giving me a little slack so then I just don't end up uh, pulling the rope out of his hands or the belt. Okay. well, the hoofed one um, for
0: his action, I'm gonna roll the bones. Now let me tell you guys about the bones. all right. The bones are a special set of dice that uh, I'm introducing to this game, uh, which are the, the sort of bones of ancient megafauna. They're D6s. There's six of them in a bowl. Four of them are white. These are the bones of prey species. One of them is black. This is the bones of the predators from above, the birds and such. One of them is red. This is the predators of the earth. These are the predators below. So when I roll the bones, what that means is to draw some number of them from the bowl, roll them, and then also note if either the bird dice or the snake dice is there, the black one or red one, respectively. Does that make sense? I think so. And if I draw a bird or a snake bone something slightly different will happen in addition to kind of the numerical result
2: let's see what the bones have to say
0: right so this is essentially an attack roll on the part of the hoofed one he's gonna roll four of the six bones drawing from the bowl we've drawn the snake and the bird and we have here a 2, a 2, a 3, and a 4, which is a total of 11. That is not a very good roll on the part of the hoofed one. He chomps and chomps at the rhododendron. leaves these vast purple flowers, now kind of with little shards of clay man embedded in them because the, the blossoming has really started to be complete, and your, your brothers are just... Gone, you know the the purple flowering emerged from them. Now they're just shattered about. He's not able to reach you guys, but he's even closer. Right, it's now 15 feet away from the snout, and you can feel acrid, strange ozone breath that his purple form gives off. Looking through him, it's terrifying. But you're looking through a vast purple lens Up into Something much much bigger
2: Than, than Earth's sky I'm imagining that the hoofed one chomps kind of near yeah. to us Oh yeah he's, um, And it just all, all the branches are shaking yeah, it's, around it's us It's dangerous I'm going to turn to yeah, I'm going to turn to The Ecclesia and say Let me do this I want to be able to pull you out if
1: this goes bad, because you're like a brother to me, man, and I care about you, and I don't want to lose you to the hoofed one like this.
2: Well, you should have thought about that before you gave me the grenade. With with the grenade belt.
1: How about I just let go of the belt and you go?
2: Oh, you just let me go.
1: I let go of the belt because I know that by sacrificing himself, D will save the rest of us.
0: Blayton J, let's go of the belt. T you climb. You climb the last few branches that you need to. You climb the strange purple blossoms that are growing. These awful rhododendron things that uh, were once your brothers before the, the flowering, the blossoming, and these things which which the hoofed one is harvesting. And you hold the one grenade near and dear to your chest and you just run along the wide branch of this huge oak tree. Throw your whole self right into the mouth of the one. Pull the pin as you're doing this. Clayton J, you are holding on to the branches of this huge clay oak tree. You're surrounded by the sort of ruined forms of what used to be many of your brothers now turned into strange purple flowers. Your your one brother, Clashty here, has thrown himself into the mouth of this vast astral deer. The grenade goes off.
1: I climb down from the tree and just look into the explosion as I'm doing it
0: there is a sort of overwhelming purple light that happens when the explosion happens there's a huge sort of sonic boom that you can feel the deep bass rumble of this explosion in every surface that you're touching all of the clay surfaces are, are you know, extremely sensitive to that kind of vibration and really carry it uh, so the whole hollow rings with the, the awful, wrenching noise of this explosion, but also rings with the kind of etheric boom of, of uh, an explosion partially intersecting with a vast, etheric creature. That's crazy, uh, Clayton J you see that the hoofed one remains there's a huge bulk its body its feet and 300 feet away from that hanging down from the clouds there are dozens of vast purple ropes of steel which lead down to huge Sails of bone, but its head is just gone. Huge jawbone falls to the feet of the jay tree. All that's left of the hoofed one's head, all that it has remains.
1: Is it dead or alive?
0: Well, it's headless. We're gonna pause here now for you, Clagent Jay, and Nashti, you awake on foreign shores. These are the shores of, of the moon song. hmm The howling dream that you stay in when you're in the box and you're connected to the machines. You awake on the shores of the singing voices on the etheric radio that pulse through your body and mind as you sleep etheric weather service advisory issued at 6.05 p.m. p.s.t. in the this twilight world welcome to WMON I'm your host Luna Primark the purple flood advisory remains in effect Here's your biological can, you,
1: can, you, can you, for can you can you just do this from can the Appalachian Resource
0: Center at the University of South Carolina. Laurel, man, <laughs> the mountain term so for like evergreen like, rhododendron, NPR? rhododendron yeah. maximum, and rhododendron catawaglise, <laughs> which, <laughs> in the Smokies, grows profusely at elevations below 5,000 feet and covers extensive tracts and thicket. The purple flood advisory continues for the Okagane River at Dead Man's Hollow, the South Fork River at Kepler, and the shores of Somerville Lake.
2: Purple stage was 220 pppm at last report. Action stage is 100 ppm. The hoofed one calls at 200 pppm forecast the hoofed one is expected to call for many more moons cresting at 400 PPM p- and full bloom impact the harvest has begun the hollows especially are experiencing rapid etheric exposure impact timberwolf assets deployed for direct monitor and control Etheric Weather Service, advisory issued
0: at 6.06 p.m. at the twilight of the fourth world. Welcome to WMON. I am your host, Luna Primark. The Purple Flood advisory remains in effect. Here is your biological affirmation for the hour from Mountain Memories, 1977. Far back. In the big mountains where the infamous laurel hells, where huh. our tall laurel grew so thick with twisted branches that a man venturing in there might never find his way
2: out the purple flood advisory continues for the yeah, off river at well, that
0: hollow the south fork river in kepler and the shores of Somerville find a Lake.
1: way to get this onto the actual local, local radio counter
0: oh that would be
2: very creepy find a way <laughs> oh man you need to get yourself a ham radio license just so you can put this shit onto the airwaves and freak out some preppers the shit out of some preppers challenge, challenge.
0: <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. Uh. nasty this is the dream song that you tune into when you sleep in the box. hmm Timberwolves uh, have been activated. Is it time to wake up? Timberwolf assets have been activated. You are finding yourself roused to wakefulness. You are leaving the shores of the Moonsong. You're in the box. You've woken and you're in the box. So, yeah, you seem to be the... The
2: Timberwolf that's getting
0: deployed, you are the assets here.
2: Conjecture. GN45H-T has been activated. I wonder what has happened in the hollow. The doors of the box open. You have been activated.
0: Your conjecture is absolutely correct, Nash t
2: Gnash-T. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so... My... Uh, big wolfy self will uh, head out through the doors. Your gears shift and groan. You can
0: feel your internal oils start to heat and lubricate the limbs of your wolf form. and You step your 800-pound robotic bulk out of this shipping container and into the huge warehouse space that uh, you call the Lyceum, the the den of yourself and your fellow wolves. There are a few other wolves which have also come online. There are a few other containers whose doors have opened, and you all step out into the the red light of the, the Lyceum room.
2: Let's see. Is there... Are we all kind of on the same like obviously we all we all listen to the uh, uh, to the same dream I would I would think um, is there something that we need to be paying attention to uh, outside of the boxes where we're at in the Lyceum the boxes
0: where you immediately are why don't we say boxes what we're talking about is 20 and 40 and 53 foot. Uh, iso shipping containers these are uh, international containers uh the kind of intermodal containers meant for transshipment across rail ship Mm -hmm. truck and other platforms the vast sort of red warehouse you're in uh is a cavernous space the the roof is hundreds of feet in the air and, and there are crane uh platforms that move about and are able to lift containers up and move them elsewhere in the space and there are also sometimes cranes that descend from whatever's outside this building um and take containers out and away. Uh sometimes you hear trains as well coming through and you also hear the ocean. You suspect that this is a huge transshipment warehouse that's next to five or six different kinds of transportation methods kind of out of it. Um, typically when you get deployed there's the kind of kennel area where you are which is mostly black 20 foot long containers they've been painted matte black uh, and this is the kind of um, private security vibe uh, livery that these containers have and which the Timberwolves as a line of robots also tend to have if you trot after your kin to the south of here, uh, that's usually kind of where the loadout is. That's where uh, you get put into transport containers, which take you to whichever instance of the hollow is, is the one that's really having a problem. And if there's seven of you activated, it looks like, right. I mean, usually you're responsible for three or four hollows at a time, right? And so seven of you, that's that's like a full-on outbreak of something. You know, that's a real critical failure that's occurring.
2: Yeah, I'll follow the other uh, Timberwolves to the deployment area.
0: As the seven of you guys head towards the deployment area, you see that uh, from the kind of vast space outside the building, there are seven containers descending. These are all seven of them, purple containers, each one of them labeled NTI. Uh, You've seen these containers before. They're often labeled Northern Tier Industries. That's what NTI stands for, though you've never. I mean, you've only really encountered your brothers and sisters in this space. Uh, The the words are meaningless to you. The organization might as well just be a logo. It, It might not be real at all. It's definitely how you get to the hollows for the most part, though. You step into the box. Box doors close and rises into the ceiling. Clagent J, help is on the way.
2: This has been Dead Man's Hollow. Let's pour one out for clashties and Hoofed Ones. <laughs> oh,
0: pour one out for clashties and Hoofed Ones. God damn.
1: They took one for the team. The hoofed one no longer calls. Xavier,
0: how you living? The hoofed one no longer calls. Am I supposed not, to stop recording? Not in this particular way. What?
1: Am I supposed to stop recording?
0: Oh, we can. I don't know. How you living, man? How how you... <laughs> You're the survivor. You're the sole survivor.
1: It's <laughs> a lot of guilt. It should have been me.
0: It should have been you. Well, you're about yeah, to get a be great. big wolfy friend.
2: Also, I think you should have an eye patch now. Just saying, if you want, I, that's just it'd be cool.
1: Are, are we making a Samuel Jackson well. reference here?
0: Oh, we could. You could be Agent Fury. That's inappropriate. You did it! You played in the space! <laughs> this has been Dead Man's Hollow. Thank you so much, brothers. Yeah. I love recording with you guys. This is so... Oh, It's so fun to go oh, into yeah. the hollow.
1: And I'm stopping the tape.
2: Let's click stop on that yeah. bad boy. One
1: of these days I want to actually hook up like a physical tape thing in the loop so I can just do a heavy chunk every time I stop recording.